Hey everybody, Stephen here from The Truth About Dyslexia. In today's episode, I want to talk about this way that dyslexics have with always wanting to be the one to solve problems, but sometimes can really struggle to ask for help or to accept solutions of others. It's kind of like we, we put our backs up and it just seems tough. We may not even notice we're doing it. So I just wanted to dig a bit deeper into this in this episode, uh, as I think a lot of you will relate. So let's get into it. Okay, so how did this uh, this idea come up around dyslexics being great at solving problems, really enjoying that flow, being curious, uh, but then also having this issue with asking for help? And I just want to caveat this with, with you know, there are always extremes, right? What we're talking about is the general stereotype across a large number of people. We can always find outliers on either side. But what I've seen personally from the dyslexic world is that many of us struggle with the same challenge. We put our backs up when someone tries to tell us what to do or to offer us a solution, but we're usually that person that's offering the solution. I've seen this cause a bunch of hilarious fights and bad fights over the years, to be honest, uh, from different people. You know, my father was a really good, was really like this. He would always be the guy that would sit there, offer a solution to a problem be 80, 90% of the time right. He was pretty good at that side, but couldn't kind of get it why he pissed everyone off is probably the term I'm looking for in this one, is that he would just frustrate them. They would just get uh, grumpy with him. Um, like I saw this with my mother, she really didn't like it. But vice versa, she'd do the same to him. She would try and solve his problems in her way, and he'd put his back up. And so what, what would happen is there'd be this little cycle of each of them trying to solve each other's problems, um, and getting frustrated that the other person wasn't listening to them or they weren't feeling valued. And it would just be hilarious. I just sat back and, you know, in hindsight, it's a lot easier to understand what was happening. But at the time, it was just like, Pow, firework, firework, firework. And, you know, why this came up to me, you know, what got me thinking about this is a friend's child was in a playground and could see a problem happening. It wasn't her problem, but she wanted to stand up with the right intention and solve it. Someone was being excluded from a game or, you know, some kids are a bit more bullshit than others. And she stood up and said, please include this person. Like it should be their turn after this person. So they, in essence, stuck her nose in, you know, with the right intention behind it. She was trying to help. But what happened after that is the, the other kids said, hey, no, they basically started excluding her. So it kind of went back on her, her trying to help actually caused more issues than it helped, um, which is tough, right? It's really tough when that happens to kids. Now, I don't know if, if she's dyslexic, if I'm honest, but, you know, it got me thinking about what I've seen in the past. It's a great example of, of how it plays out, you know, and, and with, like, think about it, you think about yourself if you are dyslexic or someone you know has dyslexia. Do you find them being that natural problem solver? Now, some people are more internal problem solvers. They'll solve things but won't speak it out loud. This has usually happened because they've said things in the past, they've been shut down repeatedly, and they just don't trust what their brain is telling them, even if they are right more often than not. And then you get other, other dyslexics that I've seen that are, are much more confident, and they pretty much tell you that whatever they think is the truth when they're solving problems, even if they don't know it. Even if they've distorted it, they're very, very confident that they have a solution. You know, I, I always bring Donald Trump up with this type of thing because my personal belief is, 
you know, he fits every single dyslexic mold out there and he fits the mold where, you know, he's overconfident. Like, you know, he's like anyone. He makes, he doesn't get it right all the time, but he acts like he does. He acts like he knows more than everyone and that confidence of trying to be a problem solver doesn't always work. He's also someone that doesn't seem to be overly uh, receptive to help. He's not naturally, <laughs> he's not, I don't think he's looking for a lot of people to solve his problems, right? He's looking at, he's looking at the other way. And so, you know, you see this across all levels of society. And so, but why does it happen? And again, I don't have an exact answer for this. My kind of, uh, I don't want to say thesis is the wrong word, but my thinking behind this, or my theory is the, the word I think I'm looking for, is around that many of us, we're naturally curious. Dyslexia breeds curiosity. We're all, our brains are always connecting the dots of things that don't naturally connect together. You know, our brains aren't linear. They kind of go all over the place. They, you know, they'll hear something, they'll hear a problem, and our brains just go out and try and find creative solutions. It literally goes, hmm, what would fit there? It's kind of like having a puzzle. You know those old puzzles as a kid you'd get where you'd put a block or a circle through? We're kind of thrown those puzzles all the time with completely random shapes. And our brains are so quick at trying to find what shape goes in that hole. And that shape is based on our experiences. It's based on what we've learned. It's a very small part of the world. But we can access that memory really quickly. It seems to be like the one memory part that we have in our lives that's really, really effective. And so we get, we get something back in our heads and we believe, hey, this has got to be the truth. And we sometimes just come out with it. <laughs> we act on it, right? And then if someone else tries to chip in with their experience, especially someone who, you know, you don't have that ridiculous level of trust with. Like I probably have maybe 10 people in my life I really, really trust. And I would question naturally my own uh, problem-solution mix there. But majority of other people, if I don't know them, I don't trust them. So I naturally have a defensive kind of part of me. You know, I think over time I've gotten better at not listening to that defensive side, which comes up and says, no, your solution is wrong, um, I'm right, or trying to fight it. Because you sometimes find, I don't know about you guys, but I, I sometimes find myself fighting for the sake of fighting rather than thinking about what's the actual outcome. You know, what is the outcome we're trying to achieve here? Does it really matter if I'm right? Does it, you know, am I really sure I'm the only one with the solution here? Is this the only thing I need? And over the years, I've gotten better at, at reflecting on that. Um, and I, you know, I don't get it right all the time, but I reflect on those moments of what is the outcome we're trying to achieve? You know, is there any validity to what this other person is saying? Could we try both ways? And I've had to really teach myself because I feel like it's not a, a learn, like I think it's a learned thing for me. It's not a natural thing. Like I like to solve a problem. I'm sure at school, that's where I got most of my praise. You know, one, one time, I'm, you know, when I'm writing, I'm going slow or I'm reading not very well. I'm being told I'm not good enough. I'm not great. But then something a bit creative comes up and I have to problem solve. That was where I did really well at school. I was great at it. So I kept getting positive reinforcement saying, good work. That's, that's what you're good at. You're good at solving that problem. You're good at that. And, you know, like with all of life, you lean into what you're told you're good at. Does that make sense? And so with many dyslexics, even the ones that aren't diagnosed have similar experiences um, where they've gone through and the self-confidence behind them is just, it's just low, right? It's just not there. And so when you start to have an opportunity in, in, as an adult 
to solve problems, you want to own that. You want to be seen as, you know you're good at it. You want to be the winner. You know, you want to stand out. And it's, you know, when other people start trying to throw their own two cents in, it's the opposite. You know, me and my wife, like I love Holly dearly, but we both are pretty good at this, if I'm honest, about not trying to tell the other one what to do because we think we're right. Do you know what I mean? Like when, when we think we've solved something, or we've got the right solution, the right thing. Um, you know, the old way is we kind of would just, we started off telling each other what to do and very quickly you realize that doesn't work. And so you have to accept the other person has their own process or way of doing it and, and let them do it. Now, in some cases, we're better at this than others, um, you know, and, and we've kind of had to build a way of working together as, as a couple like that. Because if we don't have those conversations and decide some of those agreements, problems occur. So for example, you know, I'll give you a great example. I've, I think I've talked about this before around, you know, our dishwasher. You know, my wife has a very specific way of doing it, and that's fine. That's her way. Now, I could, I could, an older version of me would have gone, I know how to do this. I've got my way. It's great. It works. It's fantastic. I'm the best. I'm great. That would have run through my head at one period. Whereas instead, I've said, okay, there are multiple solutions. My wife is much more passionate than me about this. And I, I, I kind of call this, I call this the 5% passion technique. I have um, have spoken about this as well before, where she's much more passionate. She cares a lot more about it being done her way. She really likes it her way. Now, do I care as much? I'm not going to lie. No, I don't. So I'm willing to say, hey, you know, let's split the hairs here. I'm going to step back. This is your thing. And I found that worked really, really well because it stops me overthinking it. It stops me thinking it's my responsibility and saying, hey, she's got the solution she wants to use. We're going to go with her way. And it works. It works. Does it frustrate me from time to time? Very, very, very occasionally. But then I'm very quick to come back to say, hey, I've made this decision. Let it go. And I just let it go. And that's how I think, you know, be it a relationship, be it work. If you are dealing with other people, maybe you don't even know if they're dyslexic or not. Maybe they've got ADHD. Maybe there's some other neurodiversity or some other thing that drives them down the similar style. Is it's trying to find ways to work with that person, you know, that makes account for the, this knowledge that they're going to struggle with you know, getting specific solutions and vice versa, you may as well. And trying to find a balance that works because otherwise it's frustrating. You know, I've seen relationships break down or people that could be good friends not be friends because they butt heads on some of this stuff. Um, and I just, you know, don't get me wrong, this is not just exclusive to dyslexics. Remember, everything's a spectrum. I just see this in a lot higher degree with those that are dyslexic or that I identify having quite strong neurodiversity tendencies if they were to get tested. So just think about it in your own life. How do you ask for help? How do you accept help? If you think you're instigating help, do you find it easy to accept it? If someone gives you, offers you a solution without being you know, asked to, does that really frustrate you? Do you have a defense mechanism? Do you feel like something in your body when that happens that just, yeah, just gets you back up a little bit? It's natural. It's normal. It's just about working out how you deal with it. So hopefully that's been enjoyable, guys. I'll be back next week. I've got a guest on next week, next Thursday. So uh, stay tuned and have an epic rest of your day.